Yes, that's my last will and testament. I'm not sure the council will be so understanding on me this time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's just uh, the council. So hello, my best boys and girls. Today is part two of our two-part series on villains of a film. The first one was different types of villains, and this one is going to be on making good villains. I am in a different location, so if the audio seems a bit different, then that is why. Also, a few announcements at the end, so make sure you stay tuned for that. And another thing it is important to note is this is no way an exhaustive list. I just pulled out the most important things that I think is what makes a good villain. So, let's get started. One quick note before we begin. This all applies to human villains. Because, I mean, like, you can't have, like, a storm because a storm is just a storm. Just, you can't really add emotions to it. Just make it big, bigger, bigger, more, more. And, like, Jurassic Park, just make them bigger and more scary. Like, this is only applies to human villains. Essentially, stuff you can control. So, yeah, just quick note before we begin. Human villains. So, one of the things that makes a good villain a good villain is, this might seem obvious, but I'm just going to emphasize it a bit more and explain. It needs to be a persistent, proportional threat. They need to pose a persistent, proportional threat. Persistent proportional threat. Persistent proportional. It's a good tongue twister, anyways. But the um, the main thing is that they need to be persistent. Like you can't just ha- like. Let's say there's a show Mia's Coffee Shop, right? Yeah. Um, and let's say she's a mother in New York, and let's say there's a mugger that mugs her, like. He's not a good antagonist because he only shows up once and then runs off into the night to do who knows what. He's not persistent. He's not always there. Now, if he would always mug her, A, I would hope she'd be smart enough to avoid that route or at least carry some sort of self-defense. And B, there's a problem with muggers. And he would be a persistent threat. He's always there. And they also need to pose a threat. This is kind of obvious. But I mean, like, is Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park really that big of a threat himself? Yeah, he shuts down a bunch of computers and stuff, but is he himself really that big of a threat? No, he's a complete bumbling idiot. I mean, he's played by the guy who plays Newman in Seinfeld. Like, he's not a big threat. But the dinosaurs, the dinosaurs are big threats. And also, if they aren't a big threat, then why bother? And the whole thing is entirely pointless. Also, they have to be proportional to whatever they're fighting. Like, I'm going to use the Mia's Coffee Shop example. Let's say, you know, we set it up, we like Mia, likable character. But let's say there's this bad corporation that wants to put them out of business, like a big coffee house that wants to put them out of business. Now, that is a big threat to Mia and Mia's coffee shop for the plot. However, I wouldn't expect the Avengers, for instance, to go after <laughs> this big coffee shop corporation. I mean, that would be kind of really bizarre and strange <laughs> to do that. 
because it's not proportional, nor would I expect Mia and her coffee to go and fight Red Skull or Thanos. I mean, maybe if it's hot enough, I'll, they'll pour some, <laughs> they'll pour some, uh, hot coffee on them and burn them. <laughs> I'll say he's a karate kid as an example, so I'm going to bring that back. Um, Johnny Lawrence, he's a bully, and, uh, we want Daniel LaRusso to win, but I mean, like, he's a threat to him. And he's persistent, and it's proportional to that. It's a karate, but I wouldn't. Exp- but he's not like a main supervillain that needs killing. He just needs, you know, be taught a lesson. Essentially, Gravity Falls does this. And yes, I know I mentioned them a lot, but that's an amazing show. Highly recommend any age. Anyways, um, Gravity Falls does this. They recognize proportional threats, like the main villain. This is a spoiler, somewhat. Not really, but. The main villain is a guy named Bill Cipher. He's an evil triangle that wants to essentially open up a dimension to his world, or to his weird world dimension, whatever, that basically will turn the world we know inside out. However, there is a there is another threat, and it's a guy named Robbie Valentino, who's a semi-bully, I'd say. He's somewhat of a bully. I mean, he's not like really bad he's just kind of annoying like the sulky teenager kind of guy but they recognize it because the main character dipper recruits a video game character trust me just watch the show you'll get it to fight robbie and so when when he's done fighting robbie he's like all right i think you beat him up you scared him wait no wait don't actually hurt him (laughs) because he realizes that it's proportional like you want to actually like basically it just uh, depends on what happens to them like for me as coffee shop, the owner might have a change of heart or get fired or maybe like leave town and the town hates him and maybe gets mud splashed on him from a truck or something. But you know, like Thanos or like Red Skull or any of the other villains, like you want to see them go bye-bye. So yeah, kind of a long one, but they have to be a persistent proportional threat. Also, another thing that is key for a good villain is they have to have good motivations that actually make clear like for instance let's say there's a villain and let's say he wants to blow up all of south america that's proportional that's a big threat but why like you can't just have someone like oh i'm gonna blow this up because i'm mad Mm, no that it doesn't work like that That, that's stupid (laughs) You have to actually have them have reasoning and logic behind their actions. Like, for instance, Thanos. I know I keep going back to him, but he's a good example. Thanos wants to reduce half of the universe to dust because he says it'll help people out and it will help them in the long run. So then... So then he's like, okay, that that that's, makes sense. I mean, obviously that's bad, but he actually has some reasoning behind it. Like, you want to actually kind of understand their point of view. Granted, you want their point of view to be warped and clearly bad, but you want to be like, okay, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Not just like, okay, he's crazy. He wants to blow up all of South America. Oh, no, now he has nukes. Also, Star Wars, it's all about power. They want to squash the rebel forces. And they want to do that because they they want unlimited power. 
And so, yeah, it's all about power. It's a power struggle. So, yeah, you want to make them have actually good motivations that you could kind of understand if you're thinking with their warped point of view. You don't want to just make them have, like, random motivations like, oh, because I'm mad or I don't like this one guy. So, no, no, no. You have to have them have clear motivations that you can see if your view is kind of warped. Basically make them, basically think like them. Make them have a pretty warped point of view. Like be like, okay, I can see why they would do that. Like almost make the audience agree, almost. You don't want them to actually start rooting for your villain. And no matter what happens, people are going to root for your villain. I'm sorry, it it just happens. (laughs) But yeah, make them kind of like, okay, I can get where you're coming from. Another thing I like in human in villains is when you see make them seem human, and when they have actual emotions, they're not like this one, one-sided, cold-hearted sociopath. They're like actually humans. Uh, one example is in Spider-Man: Homecoming. The main villain was the girl that Spider-Man's likes dad. That was his. That was her dad. So you know he's like, I have a daughter, and you know. You know, if your audience can relate to the villains a little bit, it makes them have a dilemma. Like, wait, are they really bad? Like, what's really bad? I mean, if it's a one-sided sociopath that wants to blow up South America, yeah. I hope you can't relate to this. (laughs) But if you do, um, please seek help and please seek counseling. I don't want you to blow up South America. In fact, I'm I'm even ashamed that I gave you this idea. So just don't relate anything to me if you blow up. If I see South America's blown up by an unnatural cause, because 2020, I'd be like, okay, I did not have anything to do with that, and I will have to flee the country and change my name. Yeah. Anyways, um, I also like seeing them have emotions, like Thanos. I know I keep going back to Thanos, but he's like, I'm sorry, little one. Like, he actually cried when he had to sacrifice Gamora. Spoilers, I know. And honestly, if you haven't seen it, it's one of the biggest movies of the past, of the decade, probably. That's on you, man. But yeah, make them seem, make them have human emotions. Like, you know, it makes them seem more real than just one-sided sociopath crazy man. One thing I really like is that, this is normally with secondary villains, like, you know, like, not the main villain, but maybe their henchmen. Actually, it is. The two examples I will give there are the henchmen. Like, in It, Henry Bowers, he's a secondary villain. A good secondary villain, I might add to that. And at one point, he is carving his name into one of the main characters' stomachs with a knife. Yeah, Stephen King doesn't hold back, guys, so... <clears throat> yeah. And so, two of the guys don't really care. They're like, oh, wow... <laughs> Uh, one of them's the sociopath. He's like, oh my gosh. One of them doesn't really do anything except kind of look like a Draco Malfoy. <laughs> and one of them's like, whoa, 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 Henry, Henry, like, well, stop it, man. And he also, uh, he also seemed reluctant when Henry wanted to shoot a cat. They did not, thankfully. And if it was a dog, then John Wick would have just shown up and don't kill dogs. Or some epic John Wick line. I'm, I'm not John Wick. And in uh, Karate Kid, um, you know, Johnny, he's the bully. But in one of his posse, I think it's a guy named uh, either Bobby or Robbie. They kind of have similar names, so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, Like, 
when they were beating up Daniel, I was like, okay, I think he's had enough. Like, come on, stop. And, like, even when he injured him, he's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, I like that. They have human emotions. It makes them seem real, more real. And, like, actually human, not just one-sided sociopath. So, yeah, make them human and make them have emotions. Maybe even remorse if you're feeling, feeling a bit brave. And now, for the non-villains, let's hear it for my sponsors. Another thing that makes a villain really good is that they have some sort of connection to the main character. Like, for instance, your movie might be an okay movie. If there's this dictator that's like, ah, ha, ha, I am the dictator, ah, ah, ah. Then some guy's like, I'm gonna kill you, you're mean. And then, boom, that's that, that's kind of eh. But if you have someone go, I'm the dictator, ah, 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 I'm going to kill someone to prove my power. Hey, that was my brother. Now I'm going to kill you. See, see, there's, there's a connection there. It doesn't even have to be that. That's kind of a basic connection. I mean, I would encourage you to go even further. Like, I mean, that's like it level, because that's why. That's why Bill's mad at Pennywise, because he killed his younger brother. But I would encourage you to go further. Maybe they're like co-workers that one got too powerful and then tried to take over the company. Or maybe they're like even brothers, like in brothers or family, like in Lion King. Or even in Star Wars, although that's revealed a bit later. But yeah, maybe they're even maybe there's something deeper than just surface level, I don't like you. Like in uh, in Harry Potter. That's an age-old rivalry because... Voldemort tried to kill Harry Potter, but it backfired on him because his mother protected him with her love. And he's like, now I want to make my mission to kill you because no one can defeat me. I'm the powerful, most powerful wizard in the world. And so, yeah, that's that's like a legit thing because it's not just personal. It's like, it's there's something already there. And yeah, just... um. I would encourage you to go, like, even deeper into it. Like, maybe they're co-workers. Maybe they have a long history together. Maybe they... Maybe it's, like, parent-child, nephew, even cousins. Yeah. Basically, make them have some sort of connection. And if you're just starting out, basic works just fine. If you, like... If you establish a relationship. Because you can't kill, like, the brother in the first 15 minutes. Because then you're just like, oh... Were they close? Okay, I mean, I guess he's saying it. No, 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 show it, you know. Make sure you establish it and then make it devastating. Make it like, oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, so make them some sort of connection to the main character. Also, one final thing is make the villain somewhat influential. Like, you can't just have them be this one crazy guy that's like, yo, I'm going to take down everyone. Yeah, I'm bad. Yeah. Because then they'll just be stopped instantly. Like, shut up! Oh. And then everyone gangs up on them and then the movie. It's over. Like, unless they're overpowered. Nine times out of ten, the villains have some sort of influence. Or they're like leaders. Harry Potter has a villain that's like that. Karate Kid. Villain like that. Carmody gets followers towards the end. So, make them somewhat influential. This also applies to having them pose a threat because, like, they're like, if I don't kill you, 
all my followers will. So then it adds an extra layer because normally if it's just like a normal villain, they're like, okay, we're just going to take you down and be over. No, like they have to get through their bodyguards and like their posse or whatever. It is one of those exceptions though because it's a bunch of, what, 13-year-olds trying to fight an intergalactic space demon that can shapeshift into their worst fear. So yeah, that that's fine because like, what does he want? Like an army? <laughs> Of other intergalactic space demons. But I mean, yeah, like, in Star Wars, they're literally leaders. The Emperor and Darth Vader are literally leaders. Like, they have a bunch of stormtroopers and Imperial Guards. Those guys are scary. (laughs) Because, like, stormtroopers are pretty bad. They're bad at aiming. Like, they can't shoot from five feet. They'll miss. Like, that's probably why social distancing is bad for them. Because they'll just miss it every time. Yeah, but um, they're leaders, and like Mrs. Carmody, ordinarily she'd just be pretty much the equivalent of crazy religious person yelling at you from sidewalk, just just that. But in the movie The Mist, she gains influence and momentum, and those, and because of that influence, she becomes a growing threat. Like she convinces them to toss out this one guy, and they almost kill another person. So. Yeah, make them extremely influential because if they have influence, that shows that they're a bigger threat, and a bigger threat means they there's a more just there's a bigger justification for trying to stop them. Plus, if they're influenced and they have a posse, it makes the main character seem like the underdog. Like you know, who doesn't like you know ragtag group of people trying to fight, trying to fight these strong, intimidating, somewhat well polished. I'd say villains. Heck, it's what a country was founded on. A bunch of angry people wanted to be free from a government. Just a bunch of farmers with some random hunting equipment and some guns. Versus this huge, giant, intimidating empire backed by, backed by strong German mercenaries. And guess who won? The USA did, baby. So yeah, it's what our country was founded on. Because, you know, classic underdog tale, like, you know, Small group of rebels try to fight through the corrupt forces that are holding their world today. Or underdog kid tries to fight this bully that is twice his age and twice his size. And he has to fight him. Will he win? You know, so it's the classic underdog story. So make them be somewhat influential. So now is the part of the show where I wrap it up, swap it, and send it to you guys. So the key to making some good human villains are... Make them actually pose a threat. If they don't pose a threat, it's, it's pointless. Also, make them pose a proportional, persistent threat. Also, make them have good and even somewhat relatable motivations. Also, make them human and have make them have emotions. Like, you don't want them just being one-sided. Have, make them have some sort of connection to the main character. If it's just, you killed my blank girlfriend, friend, cousin second aunt twice removed whatever (laughs) just make them have some sort of connection to the main character it could be that but make it maybe make it a bit deeper like their co-workers or their friends or even family and also make them influential like a growing influence because you know we like that it's a bit more you know hard to fight don't want them to win too easily now do we yeah so uh that's pretty much all so some announcements. This is my second last episode before the end of the season. Not the podcast. I'm I'm coming back. Yeah. 
it's the end of the season. There will be some other episodes, and I will still post on social media, at post underscore credits underscore podcast, you know. Follow me for intros, because don't forget about me. Please don't forget about me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the second to last, I should say, episode of content. Um, first Tuesday of November. Oh, shoot, that's election day. Yeah. <laughs> first Tuesday of November, I will be making another supplemental video. It's just like, you know, a little nice little wrap-up to the end of the season, I'd say. Yeah, so stay for that if you, or listen to that if you want. I mean, I prefer you do because it's my podcast but you know i can't physically tie you down to a chair and make you listen and have more listeners by then anyways yeah so um yeah um i may also get roommates also i know i've been saying that but this time my roommates that i thought i was gonna live with might i may actually live with this time because they said that they may want to come back because you know a lot of people, I feel like, are going to come back. Maybe in hopes that my college will do in-person classes, but... You know, who knows? Um, this really shouldn't affect you guys too much. I know I was talking about maybe making, like, what, a three-part episode? Or just three parts? Or, like, a few episodes in spring? Just, you know, remind you I, I exist. So, yeah, that really shouldn't affect you guys too much. Also, yes, I know I've been a bit late posting stuff, but I mean, I'm in college. It it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff, and also, I'm from the West Coast. So you can't really get much more west than that. Like if you're on the East Coast, like although it's, although it's still Tuesday. Um, if you're on the East Coast, it would already be Wednesday. So yeah, that it's all your point of view. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. From my point of view, post credits podcast posts late. From my point of view, they post just fine most of the time. Yeah, so just about that. I'm sorry, it's just, you know, classes are picking up. But I still want, but it shows that I still want to, you know, make content for you guys. I like doing this, and I assume you guys like doing it too. Me doing it too, so. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much all. Yeah. So, roll credit.